Let's go. Bingetown, how are we feeling today? It's your boy Dave back with my fellow Bingetown Pirate members, Luke and Paul. Today is the end of our Netflix's One Piece live action journey. We will be covering the penultimate and season finale episodes today. They are titled The Girl with the Sawfish Tattoo and The Worst in the East. Before we get into it, just some classic Bingetown housekeeping. The best way to support us is just by subscribing on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. We also just recently fired up our Discord. You'll find a link for that in the description of this episode. We're constantly interacting on the channels. We've got some great community members building up there. So if you want to be a part of it, come check that out. Lastly, if you're listening to us on our One Piece feed, be sure to check out our main channel, Bingetown TV. We have over 400 podcast episodes covering countless number of shows. You'll definitely find something there that you're going to be interested in. Now, as I said earlier, these two episodes wrap up our journey with the One Piece live action, but what a journey it has been. We wrap up this season at Arlong Park, which for me personally, this was the arc almost that got me hooked into One Piece as a kid. I really loved um, the Baradier backstory in the manga, but this one was like where things really start to pick up and get heated. And I think the anime did a fantastic job translating that from manga to on screen. I think this was just so well done. I have a couple minor complaints, but who doesn't with you know live actions? And overall, I still couldn't have been more happy with how the series turned out. I keep on repeating myself with things like this, but like Nami's backstory was fucking incredibly well done. I think all the backstories have been perfect, but Nami's again, just they keep getting better and better. The emotions and brutality were really there, but I just I'll stop talking here just to so you guys can give your two cents on the these two episodes specifically. Uh, first of all, nice shirt, Paul. Looks great. Give it give it a little picture for the camera. There you yeah. go. Luffy. Little loof. Spoilers, um, though. <laughs> yeah, true. So I wasn't on the last recording. Um, you guys did it like two days ago, so it's still probably it might have just dropped on our feeds. Didn't get to say much about it, obviously, but I just loved Sanji's portrayal. I think he is amazing. That's all I'll say for now. Talk more about him later. But for these two episodes, they were it for me. Like this was the best arc. This was the most one piece feeling arc for me. It had full backstories. We got multiple crew member fights, satisfying boss beat, and then a party scene in an epilogue. That this truly felt like one piece to me. And these were probably my two favorite episodes. I have so much to say. I'll probably save a lot of it for the end, but I'll just cue it up by just saying that I think that this season of One Piece was a top 10 single season watching experience of my entire life with zero exaggeration. I'm not saying it was the best, like a top 10 best seasons of television, but the experience, there's no way that I felt this much emotions in, in almost anything. This is like up there with my peak Game of Thrones experience, like my peak dark experience, all that, the magicians. Oh, High dude, I, I was just so emotional. I watched the two episodes recently and I just couldn't believe how happy I was and satisfying I was. It was just, it, it brought so much out of me and definitely the finale was my favorite. Uh, and I think that was the general consensus for the public. I'm looking at IMDb right now. Um, and I brought this up on the episode three, four coverage when we were talking about Kuro's arc. But uh, the at the time, which was like almost a week, uh, five days ago, the two highest rated episodes were the finale and then episode five. So the first Sanji episode. And since then, it's changed. And surprisingly, the finale went up since we last talked. So it's a, sitting at a 9.2 out of 10 right now. So it's by far the highest rated 
it's solidified. It's got 9,000 reviews. It's not going to change much. So I'm happy that the general public really enjoyed it. And I think it, it's going to go a long way in getting a season two for Netflix, which based on what I'm seeing on social media, we're going to have an announcement within the next week. And the CEO of Netflix is saying that this was just a wild success. So I think there is almost no <laughs> chance we don't get a season two. So I'm extremely excited to talk about these episodes. Yeah. I mean, you guys said everything. These two just absolutely phenomenal. The rewatch value is insane. I already wanted to go back and rewatch it for like a third time. Um, just they nailed it. I was even saying, you know, the last recording, I don't think I'm enjoying it as much as you guys. I'm still liking it, but like it doesn't, something was like missing. But man, these last two, exactly what you said, they felt exactly like one piece. There were some minor things that were changed, but in the end, they really hit like the big parts and it felt like you were in that world. It was great. The crew felt like the crew. Um, it was, I mean, the actors and the casting, we can't stop talking about how good it is and their portrayals and how dedicated they've been is so amazing. Tears running down my face, like four different times in the last yep. two episodes. Yep. Uh, I, I was watching alone, so I wasn't like holding back or anything. So it's probably a little <laughs> excess. But like it was a mixture of like the acting and how emotional it was and just like my eyes tearing up because how happy I am. And Dude, like, yes, just because it's like we, we talked about this shit when we were like 12 years old and we we're like, oh, could you imagine they made this into a live action? And then they did. And I don't know. It just hits. It just hits home. So I think these two, this, this show's going to go down in history. I feel like it just keeps this up. I love that you just said that because. In my adult life, I have not like cried or like had tears in my eyes in any sort of watching experience except for three times. And two of them came in these two episodes. The third one being the magicians won't won't reveal a spoiler there. But Jesus, like I am not somebody that is emotional like that, like outwardly emotional. And this dude, I walked away from the final like scene. And then there's also an earlier scene with I was probably the end of episode seven and the end of episode eight both times just got me where i was just straight emotional it's just mixing with the nostalgia of us having followed this for decades like this was a dream like i cannot believe that we got this show and it was as high quality as it is the characters and actors just you can feel the passion and oda being involved like this is a perfect storm i just cannot believe that this is real life that we get to talk about this I genuinely think the last like 10 minutes of episode eight were maybe like some of the best 10 minutes of like any fucking show I've ever seen. Well, like same, the bro. last 10 minutes were so good. I'm with you. I was honestly, this is a wild comparison because obviously one piece means a lot more to me, but like when we watched the end of like last kingdom, the season six or whatever it was when like, you know, the, the storm is coming on the castle. I was just like, it kind of like, I was feeling some, some of those vibes a little bit here, but the last 10 minutes here were just absolutely incredible. And just for the listeners, I'm going to just break down how we're going to cover this, uh, these two episodes. We're first probably just going to, we're just going to knock out all of Nami's backstory. Just get that out of the way. We'll do a couple of the Marine scenes right after Nami's backstory. And then we're just going to get into the chronological present of our straw hat crew mm -hmm. real quick. And at the very end, we're going to have a very spoiler heavy conversation about, you know, what's to come in the show what we're looking forward to for all the anime watchers and manga readers out there we'll give you a big warning so you can turn it off if you're watching this for the first time and you don't want any spoilers but if you want to hear you know th theory talk that will happen in you know like season five of this show you know stick around and because we're gonna we're probably gonna talk for a, a bit about that 
Yeah, this might be a longer podcast episode. We just, again, we love this show so much. We have so many thoughts that we want to get out there. So just strap in. This is going to be a doozy. And also putting it out there that there's probably will be a not the last One Piece podcast we put out. We will most likely have a roundtable sit down with the rest of Bingetown where we can all get together, probably have a few drinks, talk about everything in the spoiler capacity and just what we love, what we didn't love. So look out for that in the future because there's no way we're going to be able to get all of our thoughts as a whole. And we want to give Kyle and Alki and even like B-Toms and maybe even Jimmy a chance because Jimmy has read all of this by by the time that this is out. So yeah, I was just going to make that comment that like that roundtable talk will be a really good discussion because not only will you have like five quote unquote experts talking about One Piece, but then we have Jimmy, who a Binge Town member who is just kind of starting off his One Piece journey. And then we have Kathleen, who has never touched anything anime related, One Piece specific, like definitely nothing. And she has some interesting thoughts about this season. So we want to get those all on recording. So we'll definitely be dropping that pretty soon. But now to the present, let's go to Nami's backstory. We are in Coco Village eight years ago. We see Nami with a her sister. We'll call her her sister, but you know they're obviously not related. But her name is Nojiko. And then we have the mother figure here, which is Belmare, who we quickly find out was a former Marine. We see that Nami really is not a fan of the current situation that she's in with her Nojiko and Belmare. They are extremely poor. They pre- Belmere. Bellamere, Belmare, I don't really know. Okay, maybe I'm just misremembering. I'm mixing with Bellamy. Sorry. <laughs> we definitely are not great on pronunciation since we read, so just forgive us for that. But yeah, Nami just really does not is not a fan of being poor. She's wearing hand-me-downs. She is constantly eating tangerines. They live in a tangerine grove. I think that's what you would call it. Um, and then we got a quick backstory backstory of nami's mother belmare of her days in the marines she was just out in combat one day and when she stumbles across nami and nojiko as little little girls and that for her was her moment to realize that she has something to live for she has something to protect in her life and so she adopts the two children and they have come to live here in coco village and like i said they are very poor nami as always, is doing thief things. She steals a little book from someone we know as Genzo. She returns the book because of Belmare's want for you know Nami to be good. And as she's returning the book to Genzo, the Arlong pirates show up and they begin asking for tribute from each townsperson. Like we have already seen from Arlong, he wants to conquer the East Blue. So he's conquered this village and is demanding payments from each village um, just to get his pirate life started i guess but very very sad backstory here because i mean this is this is what makes nami nami i mean she's a quote-unquote terrible person because of how much she's a thief she's a liar but these are all things that arlong have made her become so i'm just curious to see what you guys think of how well the live action portrayed nami's backstory from the manga yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound like Alki here, but the child actors, man, they're so good. They're so good. The casting is crazy. But no, they, it really is. And it really comes together at the end of episode eight. But, you know, this portrayal of Nami's backstory, great. It's always so emotional. And not only does it make you respect where Nami is coming from, but it also breeds more hatred for Arlong in the same time because we see his origins and ruthlessness on this area so that was great and i mean just how they build it up was perfect for the end of this episode because all these flashbacks are you know just sprinkled throughout Uh, i love seeing the tangerine windmill like in live action because like i never really understood it 
like in the drawings, I was like, I don't, I don't really get it. So then actually watching him make it was brilliant. I was great. Paul's um, an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't, I can't really praise this enough. Didn't really have any thing like any critique of it or or anything like that. I thought it was great. Yeah, these scenes were really great. It was the most backstory we got of any character, maybe not counting Luffy. But this is how it's supposed to feel in the manga. Like that's what felt truncated for Zoro and um even Usopp a little bit. Like they didn't get a lot of screen time. Sanji didn't either, but his was so perfect for me. I still think Sanji's might be the best, but Nami's was like the most well done, I would say. So Sanji's might be my favorite, I should say. But Nami's is the most important and well done. And like all of this was great. Arlong's like original, like his outfit was awesome. I was a big fan of that. I was insanely impressed with how cold the execution of Bellamere was. That was fucking awesome to see. Cause again, this is following with the theme of the whole season where they're brutal. Like we have the death of Mary. We have Zoro actually executing and cutting people in half all the time. It's amazing to see this level of grimdark. I'm not even grimdark. There's just level of real piracy that we're getting with this show that we didn't get in the anime manga. So all the Nami scenes really like highlight her. And like I've been saying, she is probably my favorite crew member in the live action. So this was more expanding of the reasoning why I love her so much. You get her that backstory, you feel for her, you connect with her more. And this was all good. Yeah, I just I've mentioned this in the episodes of five and six, but I just love how, you know, accurate they are keeping it to the manga and everything, because, you know, one thing with the live action when it came out, you would kind of worry about how if they'd make the the backstories PG or, you know, make them a little bit different, but they really stuck to the source material here. And I think, again, even though they're they are quick backstories, unlike the manga, they, in the manga, they're probably drawn out for a few chapters and, you know, you really can develop those feelings. But for what it's worth for these hour episodes, I think they do a fantastic job. And yeah, when Belmare makes a sacrifice, like she Arlong shows up, he sees three plates and he asks Belmare, like, are there three people living here? You said only one. And she is so her convictions for her family are just so strong that she admits that she has two daughters as well. And when she's hugging Nami and Nojiko goodbye, saying, I would never deny you as my daughters like that shit brings a tear to my eyes. That was so sad. And then she looks Arlong dead in the eyes and just catches a bullet right between them. And uh, it was such a great, really well done backstory. But now we understand why Nami is working for Arlong. We see later on after she's more in the death of her mother figure. Um, she shows up to Arlong wanting to join the crew. She has a homemade map of the East Blue, which Arlong recognizes as one of the best maps he's ever seen drawn by either Fishman or Man. Um, but her ultimate goal that she strikes with Arlong is that she will buy back Coco Village for, I believe it was 100 million berry. And we also quickly see Nami get her tattoo, which was honestly very painful to see. That was actually like emphasizing more of Arlong's brutality, just doing this tattoo process on this little girl who's crying out, just begging. He's just smiling the whole time. So I, I really love how brutal Arlong was here in this backstory. I love that they finally showed the general public like how good the reason that Nami is such a good navigator. This is a huge part of it. And we didn't really get that vibe like we knew, obviously, but I'm happy that they show you her skills and why she's such a good navigator. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because she was what, like seven here. She was like, and that good back then. Yeah. So she is, that's why Arlong wants her so bad because mm -hmm. she's like an elite navigator, not just like good. The, she's, she's some of the best, like Arlong said, he's ever seen. Yeah. He's willing to have a human on board his crew 
because she's that good at being a navigator. Yeah. So respect for Nami there. Now that we've got that backstory kind of out of the way, we're just going to jump right into the Marines here before we get into the meat of everything. Yep. So we're just going to start with Garp arriving on the Baratier. I, it's still so hard for me to say that. Like in my notes, I just read it as Barati. I'm just going to keep saying Barati. <laughs> I'm trying my best, people. I'm trying my best. But he is obviously looking for Luffy and Zeph doing what he does best, kind of working around the, the questions, not willing to give up Luffy. And he does offer Garp a meal, which being a, a, a family member of the monkey family, <laughs> Garp cannot deny. And Zeph and Garp chat over dinner. And this, honestly, again, was not in the manga, but I really loved this scene. We get a lot of like world-building tidbits here that we'll probably save for the end of the podcast to talk more in depth about. But pretty much what we see here is Zeph admitting to Garp that it's good seeing someone from the old days. I love when they reference the old days with like, that's just basically referring to the Roger era of piracy. And it's just really cool when they do that. They also are mentioning the new generation of pirates and Zeph is on the side that he believes that the new generation is going to cause some, some major upbringings in the next few years where Garp kind of disagrees with the notion. Um, we get some subtleties dropped here about Garp or Zeph being on Jaya and, you know, him hunting. And it's kind of this parallel between Garp hunting Luffy Let's just get into it. What do you guys think of this whole conversation? Because I fucking loved it. The references of the new age and like, you know, it's their turn now. That shit was getting me hype. Oh, yeah. I, I was saying last recording again, uh, I was a negative Nancy for some reason. I was like, I don't really, you know, I'm not a huge fan of what they're doing with the Garp storyline. But I think these last two episodes and what they did with him really, really made it work and kind of did save him in a way. Um, and this building, like like you're saying, whenever two legends just speak about the good old days when like they were at their peak, that's just so fun to think about. So it was a nice little tease and introduction to uh, this uh, new age that he was talking about. I totally agree with what you just said, though, about the Garp thing wasn't working for me that much until the final episode. I would say it stuck the landing, but the ride there was a little bit too much screen time away from the straw hats for my liking. Either way, not the biggest complaint ever. But yeah, the the quote that I took away from this was Zeph saying, that kid's special. He reminds me of Gold Roger. Which, oh, the chills, the chills. That's great because that connects directly to the end of episode eight when he sees Roger in Luffy as he's laughing. So that was just a really cool moment. Anytime Luffy gets that comparison to gold Roger, and this won't be the last people I'm, I'm hate to spoil that for you, but this won't be the last. It's just every time it just brings chills to me. And, and so at the same time, while Zeph and Garp are chatting, Helmeppo and Kobe are grabbing a drink. And honestly, a great scene here too, from these two characters, Helmeppo and Kobe are doing it for me here. Um, they're basically just discussing this wild goose chase that they're going on with hunting Luffy. And then they kind of get into a little bit more, just like specifics of where Kobe's headspace is at. And I'm sure you guys have some quotes pulled up. So what did you guys think of Helmeppo and Kobe here? Well, Luffy, the reveal that Luffy is the grandson was the important takeaway, but I, I just love the idea of Helmeppo and Kobe just taking shots. Like that's so fun for me. I would love to be right there with them. Uh, I don't really have much to add, but I just want to say again, cause it's been a while. I love Helmeppo. I think I, he is, such a good addition and how much screen time he's getting is probably the highlight of the Garp stuff for me. But again, Definitely. I wish it was all pulled back a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. But yeah, they're especially I'll save that for the end, like the final uh, Marine scene, because that scene got me hype. 
but this is like the seed planting of really like bonding Kobe and Helmeppo, and that's the important takeaway. Kobe's like, we're on shift, we're on duty, man. We can't drink. You know, but Meppo's like, all right, dude, I'll fucking, I'll drink. But you also know a secret, and you're gonna tell me. And Kobe's like, all right, I'll have a shot. I'll give you a shot. <laughs> so that was great. And uh, I exactly what you said. El Meppo is the best. I think we can unanimously say that he has been the most pleasant surprise mm-hmm. of this first season. Nobody yes. was expecting this. And, you know, it is a somewhat a bit of a change, but I think everybody loves it because his actor is just so good. He's so like over dramatic and emphasizes everything. And it really does feel like he is a one piece character. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And the quote that I took away from here is I thought it would take a lot more liquor to bring you out your mutinous side. <laughs> I thought that was really good. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up the Marine stuff. Kobe and Helmeppo find out from the bartender where Luffy is headed. They whisper that information for Garp. Garf Garp heads out of the Bratier and Garf. Garf. <laughs> uh, and then Zeph, I'm trying to like navigate back and forth between these two names, and then they just mush together sometimes. But totally. We got a we got a quote here from Zeph. Change is coming, whether you want it or not. It's their turn now. Mm-hmm. Legends. All right, now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. We're going to start at the present with our crew. They're basically arguing over the reasons why Nami left, and we kind of get a first glimpse into Sanji and Zoro's relationship. So Sanji is willing to give her the benefit of the doubt uh, of why she left, but Zoro not so much. He believes that she is doing what she wants to be doing. She's a thief, a liar. This is who Nami is, and Zoro is not willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. The start of Zori Sanji. Zoro Sanji yeah. bickering. They both have a different way of mm-hmm. thinking, and the way they each think about things pisses the other off. That's basically just all you need to know here. And so this is the birth of the, the tension that we get between these two characters. It we get- fucking buggy, man. Just oh, so... Yeah. He makes me laugh. I don't know how, like I said last time, I don't know how I feel about the whole ear and the hat thing, but I mean, this was just great anyway. I mean, he's so good at just talking shit. And I think <laughs> you were talking about Sanji and Zoro, like bumping heads a little bit, going back and forth for real, like the first time. This is like the first real time they do it. I think the first Moss head gets dropped here as well. Oh, and was it? I, must, yeah. I must have missed it. Damn. Well, it, it wasn't in the subtitles, which makes me think it wasn't in the script, and which makes me think Taz, the dude who plays Sanji, just improvised it and ad libbed it on the spot. Uh, I hope so. I hope Be- so. Because it wasn't Taz. actually in the subtitles. So I'm making that up, but I would like to think so because he's such a beast. But anyway, first Moss head drop. That's just iconic. Mm-hmm. Iconic, ah, it's memorable. This we're bringing iconic back because there's some iconic moments later. So yeah, and then we get a quick shot of Nami at Arlong Park, just gambling with some of the fishmen, um, just conning them of some of their money, even though they're not supposed to be. You know, money is everything to them. We get just more confirmation on that Arlong just wants to conquer, conquer all the seas and crush the humans. We see Buggy's body too. We do see Buggy's body, kind of tied to this arcade game looking stand whatever coco village we find out also is late on their payments and arlong sends nami to go collect the payments from the village he wants her to go because he wants a he wants her to have a human touch rather than sending a fish maneuver her outfit's just amazing man i mean you guys were talking about this i think it was like episode three four but i mean they probably just have a field day going through all the 
cover art that Oda did with all their outfits and just picking one and making them come to life. But I feel like this one is straight from Arlong Park. Yep. You know, it's just it's just brilliant. It makes costume the, department deserves yeah. all the awards. Yeah, it just makes the world feel real. It's crazy how I can just remember these costumes so vividly. Like mm-hmm. I've only read Arlong Park maybe like once or twice, and that was like years ago. But I still vividly remember what all the characters looked like during this this arc. And you're absolutely right, Paul. Like I just it's so hard for me not to identify it from the manga. But here is where we're kind of all brought back together. So the crew, the Straw Hat crew arrives at Coco Village at the same time that Nami does as well. Clearly, Nami is not welcome here. We see an older Nojiko kind of spit at the idea of Nami showing her face to them. Nami does collect the money and then on her way out, runs into the Straw Hat crew. And she pretty much tells Luffy to fuck off. Like, why are you here? I'm doing my own thing here. I'm trying to survive. I don't need you here to come fuck this all up for me. Luffy's observation of everybody seemed like scared of Nami except one person, which was Nojiko. That was like a pretty cool observation that he was able to track her down following that. But yeah, I mean, Nami just yelling at them, cursing at them, telling them to go home. Just classic. She's like doing it for their sake. But mm-hmm. at this moment, you're like, Nami, we fucking hate you, man. Yeah, it's all for them. But yeah. she is she's swallowing her pride, everything. She's taking all this heat from the villagers and the Straw Hat crew. And she just she holds it. She holds it together so well, I think. But here we're going to get a little bit of a deviation. So we're probably just going to let's just cover Nami stuff really quickly because Nami separates the crew separates and we kind of get these back and forth scenes. But we're just going to cover all of Nami here. So Nami returns back to Arlong to discuss the terms of their deal. But the the deal is interrupted by Captain Nezumi and his Marines. So they are there to collect payment from Arlong for covering Arlong's tracks. So we already get a, a, a quick look into how some of the Marines, again, are corrupt. Nezumi is trying to get more money from Arlong when he makes an indirect comment about intelligence, which rubs Arlong the wrong way. Nezumi replies by saying the world government is trying to keep the peace amongst the races and that they even have a fishman amongst the warlords. Mm-hmm. But. To Arlong, Jim Bay is a government dog and betrayer to the fishman. That and was Marines awesome. Leave. Oh, just so much world building here that I can't wait to talk to you at the to you guys about at the very end of it. But we do get a confirmation. So we already have Mihawk as a warlord, and now we get this guy named Jim Bay who is a warlord. I'm not sure if we've been introduced to any others, but those are the two. So as the Marines leave, Nami does bring up their deal again, saying she has collected the 100 million berry and wants Arlong to keep up his end of the deal of the bargain. But we don't at this point, we don't really know what the deal is. We just know that Nami has 100 million berry and Arlong. He says, bring back in the Marine because there's a way to get him rich because he's going to send Nezume to go steal the money. But yeah, there's a couple of things here I just want to point out. First of all, the motif music of the Arlong Pirates is the best in the entire show. Dude, it's the just, trap music is oh, so it's great. it's so good, and it. it matches like Arlong's performance so well. So I love and I love any of that. And when we're when we get in the quick party shot before they go back and do the business deals, I love that they show Chu whipping out the um the pistol. You know Mount, what I mean? Like his water bullets. Yeah, his water bullets. So it. that was really cool. And I. It made me nervous that we weren't going to get it in an actual fight later because they were just Easter egging it, but we did. So thank God that kind of paid off because 
choose choose like an interesting part Plus, of I'm sure the people the who haven't read before are like what are what are the deals with this guy's huge lips and now we fucking know that they've they can shoot should water. be bigger should be out yeah, more, should be way, more way more uh, but uh, another thing I noticed was yeah so Nezume is one of the weirder concept arts in the manga with he has like whiskers this would be a mouse obviously they kept it which was pretty cool I'm happy that they did that um I think that's actually all I really want to say about this part. So, Paul, any other comments? Honestly, I, the biggest thing I was going to say was I'm surprised they gave Nezumi whiskers and they yeah. actually kept that because they didn't need to, but they still want to keep the feel of this wacky One Piece world where people just look crazy. I don't know if he got prosthetics to go into the mouse, like yeah, feel and phase of it, but fuck it. I mean, he's a rat, so it matches his personality perfectly. Boom, there you go. And I said mouse earlier. Now I'm pissed that I didn't say fucking rat because he totally is a rat. Yeah. But Nami goes to uh Belmare's grave and she starts digging up her grave, which she has actually stored the money that she's been saving up next to the um to her mother's grave, and Nojigo catches her and obviously completely flips out, wondering why Nami's digging up her grave, all this stuff, and she's tired of Nami keeping these secrets, and Nami finally now reveals everything that's been going on. She reveals that she's been saving up this money to purchase the village back from Arlong. And now Nojiko feels a little bad about how she's been treating Nami because she's realized that Nami, again, like I said earlier, has been swallowing her pride, all this emotion to try and benefit the village while taking all this heat from the village at the same time. So Nojiko feels that weight upon her. And this is where Nezumi arrives to compensate, confiscate the money since it's been stolen and he let it slip that Arlong was the one that told him about the money. And honestly, I was, I was, this is kind of the beginning of where I was feeling the emotions. I was like, this is so sad just watching Nami's all of this eight years of hard work, just thieving, stealing all this money from people, good, bad, whatever you want to think of them. She was so close to getting her goal. And now it has just been completely taken away by Arlong. And this is just, just so fucked up. I just love the brutality here we see from Arlong, to be honest. Dude, Emily Rudd, I believe, is the actress' yeah. name that plays Nami. So fucking good, man. Her screaming of, like, you can't do this while she's being, like, held down by the Marines and that feeling of helplessness. Exactly what you said. After all those years of hard work and she was just about to get it, I mean, how could you not hate Arlong? And, you know, when she does run after them, after Nojigo can't hold her back, and she just collapses and, and does the classic, you know, Arlong. Iconic. <laughs> iconic. And just, you know, Hold on, ripping. We're not there yet. Ah, I know, I know. But well, she just crushed it in every single way. Yeah. Arlong quickly gives a great. Sp I honestly really like this speech from Arlong here. We get a quick shot of him kind of giving this speech to his Fishman brothers about how they've been repressed for all these years. They want to get revenge on the humans for their actions. I know it's kind of just wash rinse repeat with Arlong kind of at this point but I really did think this speech was just like a great part of Arlong's character like a rallying cry for the species yeah and he just this for me I thought Arlong here did his actor at least did a very fantastic job and so Luffy and the crew go and meet get the whole backstory okay. from no Nojiko so they go to Nami's sister's place to get the whole lowdown because they meet Genzo first and then they go there they learn about her tragic backstory Luffy is never in doubt like he's always been a believer in her and he has the conviction after even talking with Zoro and then also we do see while Zoro and Luffy are talking that cool little moment of Usopp actually like building some of his ammo and his his trinkets like working on that while uh Buggy's just screaming yeah, Buggy's in just his ear shit. and then we get the scene yeah. yeah I don't think there's do you guys have any comments about 
the Luffy and crew be meeting Nojiko for the first time, Paul? Yeah, I mean, Sanji's just macking a bit. That's mm-hmm. just the best. He sees a pretty girl who's going to hit on her, all right? Um, and the just his usefulness of being able to cook and what that means in this world because people are basically like eating scraps, whatever they can. Like she's been eating tangerines forever. So uh, that his usefulness is just great. And it's just such a niche thing in this uh, universe. Mm -hmm. I have one quote here is Zoro and Luffy are having a moment about talking about Nami and that Zoro asked Luffy that question. Luffy replies the same way. I knew you weren't going to kill me when I cut you down from that cross. The same way I knew about Usopp and Sanji. I know Nami's good. She needs to know it too. Just mm. I have chills from that. That was just like so Luffy esque about him talking about his crewmates like that to Zoro, who still is not a hundred percent bought in that Nami's good. I just the the resilience and faithfulness that Luffy has to his crew will just never not bring chills to me. So now mm-hmm. the scene, Nami is in the village, just stumbles onto the ground. She is cursing out Arlong's name. She absolutely has reached her peak hatred of Arlong. She begins stabbing herself in the tattoo, trying to just remove any part of Arlong from her when Luffy shows up and catches the blade from her arm. she Nami is throwing a tantrum. She is telling Luffy to leave. She knows, He knows nothing about what's going on on these islands. And Luffy just hits her with the, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And Nami has a second to process all this information. She looks over the shoulder and hits him with the, Luffy, I need your help. I was a little disappointed that Luffy didn't just scream immediately and say, hell fucking yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's what he does. He just puts the hat on her and screams, hell yeah. But here he says, of course, of course, and then shouts it out. Of course, we're willing to help. And the crew is ready to go. This is literally if you were to look up the word iconic in the def- in the dictionary, literally it would be a picture of the walk to Arlong Park like this is. The the scene that everybody fucking remembers from Arlong Park, the music from the anime, you can picture it here while it's happening in the live action. It's just so fucking good. I love that we get all the shots of each of them saying, we're fucking ready to go. I just love this scene so much. Yeah, I Emily had, Rudd crushes it. I had pre-chills before this scene started because I knew this scene was about to happen. I was just like looking at my arms, every hair standing up. And I was like, this is about to freaking happen. And I will selfishly say, I don't care at all if anybody doesn't love this scene because this scene was for me and me alone. This was amazing. <laughs> this was just everything. I don't even care that the, the dialogue wasn't perfect. It just, it hit me enough to, this was my first, like I had, tears like welling up in my eyes as i was just freaking out on the inside when luffy says let's go and then it does the manga flash of every single um one of the straw hats facing the screen at the same time they're all like right so dude i was so ready to go and this was the perfect spot to end the episode and kind of cue it up for the finale because like i was ready to run through a wall it was just so good and yes emily rudd is one of my favorite favorite human beings on the planet right now and she just continues to impress me with her portrayal of nami yeah they did this walk to arlong park basically like perfect almost perfectly as as good as you can get live action yeah uh they the cast knew the assignment they executed it perfectly it's basically if you took a screenshot of the anime and this Zora with his legs crossed, Sanji smoking the sig and who's up in the back just getting ready with luffy walking up it's just like they inch perfect where everybody was it was yep. brilliant loved it um and i think they just know how much this means and they're trying to bring as much as they can of it into the real world bump bump 
bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so fucking good, man. It just gets you so hyped. But that does what a beautiful place to wrap up episode seven at. And then we're just going to get right into episode eight. I just want to quickly call out this Marine scene before we get back to our Straw Hat crew. It's just Nesmi and Garp meeting about the situation that is going on at Coco Village and the surrounding islands. Nesmi is basically shifting the focus from Arlong onto Luffy and trying to paint Luffy as this ruthless pirate, which this will become a theme as the story keeps developing that while, yes, Luffy does appear to be a hero in our eyes, the Marines still are able to paint him as a villain. And this is where the bounty first appears. Well, not in the show, actually, but this is the birth of where Luffy's journey as an actual pirate will begin. But the crew arrives at the destroyed Coco Village, and the town is also willing to fight. We see Genzo rallying the troops. They're all ready to kick some ass, but Nami says, what's the point in doing all this? You are going to just all die out there. But Genzo says, we live like crap anyway. These people have ruined our lives, or these fishermen have ruined our lives. We might as well fight to the death for what's ours. Just a really great moment here from the townspeople, and Nami still is trying to defend them, but They've had enough of it. They want to take back what's theirs. And so we get Luffy and company making their attack on the Arlong pirates. Arlong's just chilling. They're throwing a banger of a party, it looks like. Luffy kicks in that door, and shit starts to hit the fans. So we can pick and choose, I guess, um, which fight scenes we want to get into. Uh, let's just cover, I guess, Usopp's first with Chew, and then we'll... We'll kind of take Zoro and Sanji next, and then we'll go into Luffy versus Arlong. So thoughts on Usopp getting into it with Chu. This was, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, I was just waiting. I wanted Chu to be involved with more than just like how they did um, Buggy's underlings. Like they didn't really get fights like they did in the manga. I'm happy they flesh it out more here. And I felt like we were going to because of how the timing of when episode seven ends it felt like we got a whole episode to actually fight and this was that's why i keep saying like this felt like the most manga accurate or manga feel of an arc where we get these a little bit more fleshed out fights but yes this was perfect usopp needed to win in my opinion oh yeah he's been fun and his chemistry with the crew has been amazing and his lying and his storytelling has been pretty damn perfect but at the same time he needed like an actual win and this was the best way to do it and i love the they brought everything in they got the fake catch-up blood they got the the exploding shooting star they even to get into arlong park you saw the smoke bombs that he was working on in the last episode so he is showing his versatility right now and th this is what we kind of kind of need because people need to hang their hat on usopp's ability to also fight when it comes down to it yeah yeah i thought it was a good matchup like you said happy that they brought all of that in because it really shows his Usopp's character and who he is I was a little bit bummed out because you know I was thinking he would get messed up just a little bit more just to show how resilient he is you know he's not just hiding and running away this was like kind of a big turning point for him he's willing to fight this time because you know he w wants to fight for his friends so he did stand up and fight which was great um, but I was hoping that Honestly, he would have gotten hit a little bit more to show gonna, how much he wanted to push through. I think he's going to get that in the Alabasta arc. If you remember the scene that I'm talking about where Usopp takes a beating, like that will yeah. be his his moment of resilience for sure if we get there. True, true, true. But yeah, just the exploding shooting star, just 
classic loved it we get loot so now we have usop calling out his finishing move so that's two people so far and then we'll get a third one here in a second with zoro and sanji handling the fodder at the beginning of this just i i love sanji's kicking i don't know what it is i just think his he's trained so well for his role to be sanji and as much as i've been loving zoro's fighting i just when sanji is using his kicking i'm like my eyes are glued to the strings. I just, I, I love how they're executing it. So fucking good. Like how he's actually making, like kicking with your hands in your pockets, like cool oh, yeah. and a thing. Like it actually is making it work. It, and yeah. oh my God, it looks great. I like, I definitely think this was some of the, or the best action sequences in the show so far. Zoro and Sanji fighting together incredible of course little quips back and forth they can't just you know compliment each other they got to shit talk just a smidge get back in the kitchen he's yelling at fucking uh sanji and you know zoro is still recovering from his mihawk slash so that's why he's a little bit slow sanji says he saves him once or twice but zoro's like nah i had him you just got my way zoro does only have the one sword still obviously after mihawk destroyed both of the other ones that's brilliant I love so they do also at the same time while they're fighting, Buggy gets his body back and just when he flips them off and he's like peace fuckers. I just I <laughs> I think Buggy has been absolutely a joy for me as well. I love his character. I honestly would never have thought that I would be asking for more buggy, but certainly give me more buggy. But then they end up fighting Kurobi, who was Arlong's right hand man that we saw who was the one who captured Buggy in the first place. And oh my god, we get the Sanji mutton shot combo that it reminds me of the fucking One Piece Grand Adventure yeah. game that we used to play when you get the the finishing moves off, and he's just he's hitting him with the, with all the the I guess the, it's food, but he ends it up with the mutton shot. Oh, this was yeah. great! And then he tells Zoro, "All great fighters call out their finishing moves." You're damn fucking right, they do, Sanji. Yeah, like, yeah you're gonna fit in just fine. <laughs> yeah, this is you're brilliant. Damn right. The crew coming together so good and they honestly made sanji yelling out all of like exactly what you're saying all like the parts of the body like made it work in real life you know it's it's hard to kind of picture it sometimes in the manga because everything's such like flash panel to panel but it made it work and yeah the fact that I actually yelled his finishing move was perfect mm-hmm. and yeah it looked good doing it too it did it honestly looked really really solid so any chance I get to praise Zoro's sword fighting, I'm going to take it like this was <laughs> perfection. Like he was brutal, too, because I don't know if you guys like really paying attention. He was cutting throats, slashing people's face. Blood was flying everywhere. Yep. This is just my dream to see this type of thing, because holy hell, he's so good. And I, I think I'm like almost in the mindset where I think Zoro and Sanji together are just just like maybe the best part about this show already. Oh, like their little moments had me smiling every damn second like when they're just everything about the fight that you guys are bringing up is so good they're back and forth their their rivalry is just so good and just zoro that line where he says you're gonna fit in just fine felt like a smidgen of acceptance into the crew which i was really hype about i'm like is this like the acknowledgement that sanji is part of the team so i really love that and then my comments for kurobi is that i like that in the in the manga this isn't really a spoiler there's a third main arlong pirate we'll talk about that more specifically in the manga spoiler section but normally it's supposed to be sanji versus kurobi and then zoro versus that other pirate i like that they mix them together 
because Kurobi did feel like the first me, especially with him getting foreshadowed all the way back in episode four when he when he steals Buggy and brings him to Arlong. So like he was the stronger representation of Fishman Karate, even compared to Chu. So I like that they needed to team up together to fight it. And I also to fight him. And I also like that Sanji was the one that got the finishing yeah. move to keep that like who's the strongest, but is it Sanji because he finished it? Is it Zora because he took out more people? Or but Zora is still hurt? Like all this is coming into play how this is the formation of the monster trio. Like we're really seeing the groundwork getting laid out here. And yeah, like now that this rivalry is established, it's just going to be so fun for season two that every time they're in the same room talking, I'm sure they're going to be yelling at each other and just like fucking with each other and having those, those shady comments. So I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I love that they had Sanji finish him off because again, like we've kind of been saying, like Zoro has been getting a lot of the action. We haven't really seen him try really all that much until he fought Mihawk. Sure. He takes the L there, but that was the world's strongest swordsman. So we know Zoro is a badass. It was great for Sanji to get his moment of shining here. Mm-hmm. And to just go off what Luke was saying a little bit about how Zoro is just a little bit like just now accepting Sanji. And even in the beginning of the episode, when he was like shit talking Nami saying she made her choice, like she's not one of us. Like Zoro, Zoro's just doing that because he's the first mate. He's got to protect his captain. He knows how accepting his captain is of everybody, but you know, obviously, he can't trust everyone. So Zoro is just like a basically he's like the defense. gatekeeper. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He's just like the last line defense to make sure that you're good. He's like the bouncer, and then eventually he'll be like, "All right, you're cool. Come in." So that's why he's like so talking shit right now. It almost seems, especially against Nami. But I think it shows in the end they are a crew that really do care about each other. Oh, yeah. And I know we're probably about to just do all of the map room stuff, right? But like, I guess we could just also include lump in the scene where skip ahead to where Nami runs out and it's just them before everybody comes back together. I was so sad seeing Sanji get pissed for the hug, man. <laughs> he deserves a hug from Nami. Absolutely. He looked so happy to see her. He was without a doubt the happiest. Nami held out his arm. and let's be real if this was like real life she's going for that man he is a 10 out of 10 i I I don't care if he's the newest memory he's fucking hot he had me in Barati uh when he was talking that game at the table and like what do you want you want ice cubes you want to glad you want like i was like hell yeah bro he's actually smooth here like he's not just a klutz that's just like woman crazy you know after zoro and sanji kick some ass we're now going to take it back to Luffy, who is with Nami and Arlong. They make their way to the map room, and we see Luffy's reaction to uncovering more of the details of Nami's um, background. So we see some of the shackles that Arlong had kept her in uh, as a child. She said, I think it was her like 12th birthday that he was finally able, he finally let Nami go from the shackles, which obviously Luffy does not like hearing at all. Birthday and, present. Yeah, it was her <laughs> That was his birthday present to Nami. So fucked up. Again, just painting Arlong as this brutal person. And I fucking love it. But speaking of the devil, he shows up with the sawtooth blade, a.k.a. Kitabachi. If you are a manga and anime reader watcher, just I love this sword so much. I mean, it didn't do any work in the live action, unfortunately. I still think the blade itself is really badass. It's just one of those swords that just sticks out so much to you. Like, I feel like I've never, even in any anime, manga, live action shows, anything. I just, I haven't seen anything like this. So it was really cool seeing it on the live action stream. Arlong's trying to intimidate Luffy, 
Luffy catches the Kitabashi right in his hand, gives Arlong a fucking look of, I'm about to kick your fucking ass and crushes the Kitabashi in his hand and they get into the fight. So we can talk. This is all open table about the Gatling acts, all of it. Let's put it all out there into the world for us to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, breaking the blade. I'm going to say it. It was iconic. They kept it in there. <laughs> you're sure. Uh, you're sure as hell right. It was. It's not only a badass moment to show how angry Luffy is. It also shows how strong he is that he can even mm-hmm. crack that shit in the first place. Yeah, a little upset. Um, Arlong didn't get some swings in with it, really. But, you know, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I thought they did as much as they could to bring this Arlong fight into live action. Like, he's not going to... I don't I mean, this isn't really a spoiler, but, like, when his teeth eventually fall out and he regrows them there's more in the anime and manga but like to do that in live action i feel like it would just look ridiculous so i'm i'm really happy they even kept it in the first place and showed that he can you know regrow his freaking chompers because he is a shark at the end of the day and the moves looked great honestly i mean gatling was phenomenal but battle axe oh my god Mm-hmm. That was just like the best thing I've seen all day. Like I, <laughs> it was I. I can't. I couldn't imagine a more perfect shoving Arlog down through the different floors too, and he just gets a thud on everyone going down. It, it was great. It was so great. Luffy gets tossed around a little bit. He doesn't get like super cut up. So I kind of did want to see if I'm honest. I know it sounds morbid, but like it more shows how resilient Luffy is that he can get cut up and bleeding and he's still pushing through and everything like that. But it was still great because Arlong, his displays of power were huge. And same with Luffy's when he starts punching those pillars, I was like, let's fucking go, man. You're just punching rock and stone and destroying that shit. So you know how strong he is. I liked um, round two. Arlong was pretty badass. Like when he said that to him, I, I thought that was cool. And yeah, you you pretty much brought everything up. The Gum Gum Gatlin was great and it was effective and it actually hurt Arlong, which was cool. But the battle axe was the best delivery by far of any Gum Gum move. And his face, like his acting was the best of any of the erratic things we would expect out of Luffy. I thought that was the best part. That was like the fourth time this episode I had chills. So if anybody's (laughs) keeping count. You're only a four, dude? Like 12 or something. I'm going to be honest. As much I did overall absolutely love this final fight scene and thought it was really good. I had a couple minor complaints here. The first is when Luffy starts destroying the room, he willingly admits to Arlong that he, you know, might not be capable of beating him, which manga readers know Luffy would never say that. In the manga, he literally says, I will like Arlong's talking all this shit, like I'm a fishman, I'm stronger, I'm faster, I'm better than you in every way. And Luffy literally looks him in the eyes, is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to beat you. So hearing Luffy here say, like, I'm not, I might not beat you was a little not crazy about it. My other complaint is going to be that the fight felt a little quick. But again, I guess that's kind of been the story of the live action so far is like we've been mentioning backstories have been quick. You know, some characters have been like, especially with the inclusion of Garp now, we're taken away from this is what kind of Luke was going into saying in episode three, four, I think it was about how when we add characters like Garp, who in the manga don't necessarily have a lot of screen time, we're now taking away from moments that could be have hit a little bit harder, I guess, in the in the main story. Like for here, for me, it 
felt like we got into episode eight and Arlong was already done within the first 10, 15 minutes of the episode. I like hovered over and I was like, damn, we still have 20 minutes or like 35 minutes left in the episode. So, but still uh, those two very minor complaints. If I had like, if I had to make complaints about it still overall agree with you guys completely. Gatling looked incredible. That was one thing I was very nervous about. Like pistol is one thing because it's just one, you know, extended punch. Whereas Gatling is, a flurry of attacks that it would be hard to translate into live action thought it was beautifully well done and my third minor complaint again is in the manga when luffy does axe arlong actually manages to get a hold of luffy and like chomp into him and luffy like takes that pain but still just fucking delivers the axe through arlong so i kind of wanted luffy kind of going into what paul was saying with taking more damage like i would have liked to see luffy take a bite from arlong in the neck and at the same time still finish him off with the axe i think that would have been again more emphasis on luffy's resilience but still phenomenal fight little complaints there like those don't make me feel any different about overall how i feel about this show i just feel like we're like for a while for years to come whenever we're like together and we're drunk and it's late night we're gonna be like fucking put on the luffy oh, Zoro yeah. fight dude like let's fucking do it because like, and just this it's just great to watch man it it might not be the best action scene ever but it was really really good and you know they're they're just trying their best to bring this world into live action and i'm I'll, i'm so happy so happy with these last two episodes i mean i'm just i legitimately like i'm craving season two so bad i'm i just love how well they did season one so far but like the collapsing of the building when the crew's all together oh, yeah, and then so... luffy, luffy busts out and it's just awesome seeing the crew genuinely laugh including sanji which got me extra hard because he's like all in now mm -hmm. and then nami of course is crying just of happiness it's just such a crew moment of them just being genuinely happy they did it they grew again. They're they're getting stronger. Their bonds are coming together. It's it's just a moment. The to... manga panel just Ooh. it's in my head is just so vivid of Luffy just out of the rubble, just standing there with the hat, like or not. He, not he doesn't the have hat. the hat, yeah, but it's like his hair is covering his eyes. Like he he knows he's he knows he's just fucking the man. And That's for what Nami, worth, dude, Nami looks great with the straw hat as well. Yeah, and then I love when he calls out. Yeah, he's like, Nami, you are one of us. It's just fucking love that. But now we get. After every big fight, we got to have a big ass party to celebrate. And so the crew is celebrating just one of those feel feel good moments that One Piece loves to deliver after we get the main main fight of a villain. And it's Zoro Sanji back and forth again. Yeah, a little more uh, tension here between those two. I fucking love it. Just really good. And of course, we have to get the moment ruined by Garp showing up to arrest the straw hats and take away from Usopp's moment too. Bro. I was going to say Usopp's little story was pretty oh, great. You I, know, I just have it written down. Captain Usopp. And then everybody kind of like freezes when Luffy walks up and Luffy's like, like, let's go Captain Usopp. Yeah. Like couldn't have done it without you. That was just great. Cause Luffy just wants to have fun, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody knows he's the captain. This is just yeah. Usopp being Usopp. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But again, like I said, the Marines arrive and, this I could see this scene causing a lot of issues with like manga and anime readers. Let's just get into it. So Garp shows up to arrest the Straw Hats, but Kobe, however, will not arrest them because he knows that they are not the ones responsible for the Coco Village incident. Kobe wants them to go after Arlong. 
And Helmeppo agrees with Kobe. And I was like, fuck yeah, Helmeppo, let's go. Like his character growth has probably been the most we've seen out of anyone's in these in this season one. I fucking am all here for Helmeppo. But this kind of ends up leading into a 1v1 between Garf and Garf. I keep saying it. Second time. Second time. Garp and Luffy. And I'm going to say I, I I did enjoy this. So it, it is a legitimate fight here. In the manga, it's not so much. It's usually Garp kind of just shows up, gives Luffy a good That's love punch. Is it? I'm just making reference to the to the manga counterpart. Like gotcha. this is the manga counterpart. Would it, this would have been happening later, but it wasn't like a full out 1v1 like it was here. Like it yeah. was just Garp showing up. He knocks some sense into Luffy and then kind of they have a moment here. But this is like a legitimate fight that. Again, I guess we'll talk more about it into the spoiler section of the uh, discussion, but I'm actually curious, without giving too much away, what you guys thought of this fight between Luffy and Garp. Well, like I was saying, I really wasn't enjoying the Garp storyline too much, but I think this scene kind of helped save it, like Mm -hmm. what Luke was saying, because Garp... I mean, yeah, exactly. don't want to talk too much, but Garp doesn't like hunt down Luffy constantly in the anime or manga so this whole thing i was like what is going on here but when they kind of got the acceptance and garf garf i'm doing it <laughs> what now what is wrong with you two <laughs> why i'm doing it now oh what the hell God, that's well, great when garp really does see luffy laughing and saying luffy was like i'm i was always a pirate and now i'm going to be king of the pirates and that quick little flash over to mm-hmm. gold roger just great and it finally clicks i guess is if what you is that's what you want and garp was trying to show luffy just how tough the grand line can be and people that are out there so it was a great like display of dominance power so i yeah. kind of like that and it also just yeah just showed how strong garp was and why he's not going to be on his back anymore yeah, I'm just going to go as far to say as this is without this scene, the whole Garp storyline is garbage to me. Like, to yeah, the point where I would have actually I would been agree complaining. with that. So like this is, I think, the best scene because it does a couple things. One, it shows you that Garp is so overpowered and I was worried that they were going to nerf him. And here he just destroys Luffy without even breaking a sweat. Even when Luffy whips out Gum Gum Rocket, which was pretty freaking cool. Oh, yeah. That was a yeah. that was a cool uh, moment that. that we had. But yeah, like this was so needed. It was the it was the the entire summation of Kobe, Helmeppo and Garp's storyline for this season. And we have Garp off our back for going forward. So it's not going to be this cat and mouse chase that was really starting to just rub me the wrong way by the end because this wraps it all up it was a test and yes luffy laughing into roger laughing was was the next chill moment that i got laughing too yeah yeah he was all in um and then he changes his his order to hunt down arlong so like the whole thing i i was pretty much just like completely satisfied with I still don't think it deserved as much screen time as it got for the whole season but like to get to this moment i think it was worth it and it and it puts even more clout on luffy's name amongst like his crew like them being like, okay, like he has the respect of Vice Admiral Garb. Like that's that's cool. So yeah, and now we're done with this stuff. So it won't be like this next season, I'm really hoping. Yeah, I can everything you guys have said, I completely agree with. I guess my quarrel with it was like them actually fighting. Again, we'll probably get into that into the spoiler talk of it at the end of the episode. But that for me, like yes, it was a good display of Garb's power and how just how strong he actually is, but it'll take away from something later on. But um now we get Nami, Nami visiting Belmare's grave. She now knows what it means to fight for your fam- family. Just 
absolutely fucking love that line. Just she has her family now, and it's it's our fucking straw hat crew. And Nojiko also shows up. Her and Nami make up, which you know was definitely bringing some tears to my eyes. The new tattoo reveal. She mm, got the yes. windmill. The windmill tattoo. It is very memorable. <laughs> Kobe and Luffy meet again, which was interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, he officially Kobe gives Luffy officially his first bounty and Luffy is fucking hype. We get the confirmation. It was the highest bounty in East blue spoiler alert. It is 30 million. Let's fucking go. That was just great. And I love the touch that they actually still kept in Usopp in the background. Like it's just something that they didn't need to do at all, but it just was so funny because again, it's just a reference to the manga again, because in the actual, like when Luffy does get his first bounty, Usopp is in the background of Luffy's wanted poster. And, you know, it's like, Oh, he takes all the credit. He's like, I'm here too. like 30 millions. Me too. All this stuff. And Luffy's <laughs> so proud of his bounty that he goes to show it off to his crew. And this kind of leads right into one of the, fan favorite parts of the thousand and ninety chapters of one piece is post arc like the the post arc chapters in between the next big arc are usually some of the coolest most interesting things that ever get done because of things like the bounty posters the reaction around the world of what the hell those straw hat pirates just did and this was just so cool that we got this all on the back of his first bounty poster being revealed like we just got to see there's going to be so much to talk about here that i i don't even know if we can really get into all of it but when he goes back to the mary and shows the crew and first of all usopp being hype was awesome yeah. like him just like i'm famous well whatever <laughs> but we get the round the world reactions of uh is it windmill village in the live action yeah windmill village. so windmill village kaya zeph buggy alvita garp shanks we'll talk about some of those a little bit more right now but I'm not even exaggerating when this is just like chill moment number eight, like just seeing these people just react with two sentences. It just has so much weight on it with our knowledge. And also even in the show, it's like, okay, as a general watcher, you're thinking like, okay, Alvita, who you probably thought we're never going to see again. She's coming back. She's with, she's sitting right next to buggy now. And they both have this vendetta against Luffy. So like, it's just amazing how much of an impact Luffy has had in these couple months of being a pirate, probably less, probably like a month of being a pirate and just Gart respect like all of this is just coming to a point where we are done with the setup of the series so if you're listening to this you got to think like we have 900 more chapters to get through so we are like 10 not even 10 percent of the way through this story yet and this is just like the best way to just show the global impact that luffy's starting to have already yeah i was just constant chills like you're saying we said it a million times but not even kidding uh just constant goosebumps just showing everybody reacting to luffy's bounty yeah. and brilliant it's some of the best exactly what you said keeps the characters intertwined because you know you're constantly thinking oh i wonder what they're up to and you just get a little peek you don't mm -hmm. get everything going on but you just know that they're still there they're moving so, in the background yeah just brilliant you, you talked about a lot of them should we get into the big reveal reaction which was mihawk and shanks yeah we might as well fuck yeah. it Oh my God. So good. I, I mean, have like a million exclamation points. It's like Shanks and Mihawk, and it's just like exclamation points for days. Oh my God. I remember reading this. I remember how excited we all were talking about this. Like, oh my God, I can't believe these guys are boys. Yeah. These guys they even know each other. Yeah. They know each other. First of all, it was great seeing Shanks. And the he's fact that Mihawk is like, or Shanks assumes that Mihawk's there to fight Shanks, and he's like, yeah. oh, like, 
you're only half the man you used to be. Like I would still kick your ass. Like they're just they're subtleties, man. There's these subtleties that I you just yeah. want to know more about. And then at the end of the uh the episode, he's like, Yeah, come on, Mihawk, like have a drink with us. This is cause to celebrate. And yeah. Mihawk's like, All right, fine, I'll have one drink. Like they are they are friends, probably they respect each other. The redhead pirates, they bring the vibes like wherever they're going. They're just like hungover and they're ready to drink again. And yes, I would pay anything to drink with them and Mihawk just on that island for like three hours. Just let me just mm-hmm. hang with the vibes. It's so awesome. And I I predicted that um we had so I don't think you were on the first two episode coverage, right, Paul? Of the I podcast. did listen though. I yeah, didn't I, I? We talked you about. Asked. I said, "Do we think we're going to see Shanks again?" I don't yeah. remember if My I said on podcast an- or not, but I was saying that I said no until this moment is what I had in my head of thinking about it. So literally, when you asked that question, I was yeah. like, "I think I just said like no," but like if if we get a scene of him for like two seconds, does that count? Like that's kind of what I was at, and this is exactly what I was thinking of yeah. in my head is him being proud of Luffy for getting his first yeah. fucking bounty. Lucky am- Rue, Yasop reacting. They're all like, "Oh shit, let's go, let's party." Our boy did it. I just I love this crew. It's unrealistic, but I would have loved if Yasop was like, "Is that my son in the picture?" Yeah, like shit. if he just like pointed <laughs> out Yasop. I haven't seen my son ever, but the back of that head looks familiar. <laughs> but holy shit, man! I. That scene, again, for us when we were reading it as kids, just was so big for us because these are two of, like, one, it's Luffy's hero. We don't really know too much about his power, but then he's meeting the strongest swordsman in the world. Like, when Zoro's endgame. It's just like when worlds collide. Yeah. It's like, who would have fucking thought that, you know, Luffy and Zoro are, they're just, it's destiny, man. It's fucking destiny. And you got to just, really read between the lines and know how strong mihawk was and like his reputation everybody's fearing him he's a warlord and he's still even if he's claiming that he's stronger than shanks like shanks is saying no you're not that is so much respect onto shanks's name and his power level that i hope that the general person kind of receives that from this scene because that's the biggest takeaway is he is on par with the greatest swordsman of all time so with one arm like you got to He's I just the- hope that people understand that Shanks is the real deal. We love Adam Martin. Yeah. Adam Martin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But now we kind of get to our, there's a couple of final quick scenes here, but uh, for at least in terms of the straw hats, nope. let's do the Garp reaction first. We'll do the Garp reaction first then. So <laughs> um, Garp is meeting with Kobe and Helmeppo and basically is telling them we've got to keep up with these, this new generation of pirates. It's time for you guys to get in on the action. And so Garp is offering to personally train our boys, Kobe and Helmeppo. I am curious to see if they are going to actually show us them training in like season two. We've uh, again brought this up countless number of times on the podcast, but you know, obviously Garp and Kobe's storyline, this is all added for the show purposes. So this is just something that I'm personally think like a question that I have personally when I hear this is, are they going to show us this training montage in season two? If they do, I'm all in because I would like to actually see like the process of Kobe and Helmeppo actually getting stronger. We kind of for now have still seen them as like physically wimpy, maybe not like, you know, personality wise. They are very they have their convictions. They're very strong willed, but physically, maybe not the strongest. So I would really love seeing this uh, getting this backstory, honestly, in season two. Yeah, honestly, we, I could see them not even touching them until like the end of the season and right. them doing like a, a bounty reaction and we get a glimpse of them like training under Garp or something yeah. like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see them at all. I'm with you, too. I think I'd honestly probably prefer not seeing them. But if they do want to show us them training 
I'm fine with it, to be honest. Unfortunately, because of real life implications, I I just think they're going to put too much of these three in season two, just because of how actors and contracts work. You're not going to be like, all right, come back for season four. We'll see you in six years. They're not going to stay signed on and stuff. So I, it sucks, but I think they're going to have to overuse them again in season two. I'm just hoping I'm wrong about that because there's no way that they're going to make them super relevant for these next arcs after forcing them to be relevant for these first couple arcs. So I don't know. I'm just hoping. I don't know. I feel like I can trust them with what we've seen so far. I feel like I can trust them to kind of at least make it come full circle by the end of season two. We'll see. I hope so. All right. Let's talk about these straw hats. Put me in my feels, bro. dude. Dude. So, um, the, the, the straw hats are now on the going Mary and as a surprise to Nami they show her that they brought on the tangerine trees onto the ship which god it makes the ship look so complete now like if you ever read the manga you look up the going Mary you always see the tangerine trees in the back of the ship like it, it looks so fucking good and then so not only do we have the greenery on the ship Usopp has designed the official straw hat Jolly Roger looks way better than Luffy's uh, flag oh. at first and we get everyone's dreams. Oh, I, was, I was just dude. crying, dude. Yeah. I was just so happy. The, the the mainsail reveal and the like Luffy's Jolly Roger and his reaction. I was just so happy you had tears blowing up. And then they did the barrel and everybody's, you know, saying their dream. And th- then they started falling down my cheeks. It was so good. And they <laughs> the hair. Luke can you see me. the hairs? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's just, yeah, even thinking about it, we get so excited. And the backstories and the child actors, those little clips going into their reasonings behind it, why they have these dreams and and what that keeps felt, them that going. That's like very anime-esque, like how they're like flashing yes. back and forth between the present and past there. And it just gives each one of these crewmates depth i mean they all are individual people with individual dreams and goals and luffy just wants everybody to follow their dream it's brilliant so i watched episode seven and eight today plus this podcast and i might not be exaggerating when i say i might have had the most separate incidents of chills of my entire life today <laughs> like paul just talking about that just did it again like i just my body probably thinks i'm in war or something right now because <laughs> i am just going through it like jesus christ um this was the other moment i was talking about when i again had tears like welling up like two of the three times in my adult life I've had tears welling up my eyes from a TV show or movie, and it happened over the course of these two episodes. Like this was this was it. Kyle was texting us about this moment, saying like how how emotional he got for this when they're all putting their leg up on the barrel, and that's a that's the same thing with the walk up of Arlong Park side by side manga screenshots. Look it up; it won't spoil anything for you now. this is this is it like this is so good i'm really hoping that it hits people like kathleen who have no experience with one piece at all like at least to the point where she's hyped like she doesn't have to get as emotional as we are because we're so attached but i just hope that this worked for everybody and and because it beyond worked for me we basically get two added dreams i don't think we ever got the confirmation for nami's dream which we find out here is did did she yeah 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 she's like like this was the first time i paid attention to and like her Usopp's? was that the other one you were gonna say yeah. yeah that's what he wants to do too he wants to be a brave warrior. well no i know we we as manga readers know but i don't know if they ever oh you're sorry sorry you're saying for just the show yeah, i yeah, bet this show. was new no, okay no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. no you're totally right so, <laughs> first time they coined their dreams which was yeah. nami wants to draw a, a map of the entire world i don't think that's ever been done and then Usopp wants to just become a brave warrior of the sea yeah and he had to think about his which is important because 
his is the most like obscure and but it does match like, like him the trying most to... easily accomplishable sure because he just has to live i would argue after him beating chu like he's already kind of yeah fulfilled his dream of being a brave warrior of the sea you know Agreed. but either way we get all of them together and man i i fucking i really did love the show but we yeah now we get one final final scene of a white-haired gentleman looking over the bounty of monkey d luffy smoking not one but two cigars just i don't know we don't want to talk too much but just people watching for the first time be ready this is one of my early on favorite characters i won't say his name or anything about him but and this i guess is a spoiler but not really this for just new watchers this is the character that was at roger's um execution that that basically hasn't been brought up again since this beginning he's like the little kid with the slick back whitish blonde hair that's this character so he does already have some built-in lore but we're gonna get so much on him in season two and he's a great character just puts that cigar right on this new pirate's bounty yeah i wonder what his deal is with uh luffy we'll find out but um, that's going to be it for at least the the breakdown of episodes seven and eight. As you can tell from our reactions here at the end, that we obviously clearly just absolutely loved it. I think actually, really quickly, let's talk about um things to expect for season two before we kick out anyone who's just live action watchers. Let's talk about things that we uh, are expecting to see in season two, or without like well, you know too many spoilers based yeah. on what we've seen in season one. Okay, so Nami was obviously talking about the map to the Grand Line and talking to Luffy a bit about it, saying like, I think something's wrong because it's going, it looks like it's going up a mountain. Like, how's a river go up a mountain? You're the navigator, dude. You'll figure it out. Like, I trust you. Brilliant. We'll figure that out. So obviously following this map is kind of, I believe it's the way they would start off uh, heading season yep. two. So That's I'm, definitely going to be the next episode fucking ready because we all know what happens well hopefully they better go before they i don't know there's so much i I just (laughs) oh my god i'm just excited because this honestly could be one of the some of the best episodes like the next episode first episode of season two oh it will be be like a 10 out of 10 it will be yeah it's from here on out everything's a 10 out of 10 so we're good we're in good hands but the other big thing to look out for for this season is if you remember zoro's intro scene all the way back in episode one when he's getting recruited to a shady organization called baroque works he ends up cutting mr seven in half that is going to be at least half of season two is that overarching plot that's going to span multiple different mini arcs i would call them that's the biggest thing to look out and also they they seed planet for that as well when you when nami and luffy and uh, zoro stole the safe and they open it up you see the baroque works card there so the baroque works are a very important organization i would think that they take over at least four if not five of the episodes of the next season i know the pacing's super fast for this show so it's hard to know what to expect but that's going to be like for sure on this on the docket maybe we take it a step further and go somewhere high in the sky i don't know but either way that's not even worth talking about because it doesn't matter for non-spoilers and then mine will be just obviously what we had just talked about was alvita and buggy they're going to be that that duo should be wreaking some havoc for our straw hats straw hat crew pretty early on in season two so just at least those are three to four major things that we can look forward to that you guys as viewers also should be looking out for in season two so a couple things before we are you about to kick everybody out out. no okay i want to do like two or three things super quick 
first thing I want to say that I that came to my, my mind while I was watching these episodes is just off the rip. If you guys were to live in this world, like what job or location, like so far of the live action version of One Piece, like where would you want to be posted up or what kind of what would you want to be All doing? Villages in East Blue suck because you're either <laughs> dealing with buggy, you're getting buggy balled to death yeah. or you're getting Arlong Park just getting minced meat for money. Um. I would be. A, I would love to think that I'd be a, a little scrod, probably on the baratier, <laughs> just like cleaning dishes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, just I, I get some good food for free every once in a while. That's. I feel like that's exactly my my real life, basically. So that's it. You the same thing, Paul. Uh, I just try to be on Shanks crew. I yeah. do whatever I could to be on Shanks crew so I could just party with them all. You with the, the red hair, you look really interesting. Let me join your. What crew. spawned this question is when we were watching. I was. It was the Helmeppo and Kobe scene. I was thinking, like, I would do anything to be a bartender on the Barati. Oh, okay, bartender. Oh, yeah, just like that would yeah. be the best. You would run into so many interesting people. Yeah, like what a cool life to live. But okay, two real topics here, and then we can move on to the to the spoiler stuff. Now that we're there, we're gonna do this again in our roundtable discussion with everybody. Mm-hmm. But just off your top of your head, out of give me a, out of ten what the series was this first season out of 10 and give me to the 10th of a decimal place here. I want specific uh, IMDB style. I'm going to call it. A, mm, my God. You're going to go I'll, way higher than I was going to go, to be honest. I, I was thinking like 8.9 okay. is what I'm thinking. And it's the only reason it's not higher is because I think at the beginning of the season did suffer a little bit, especially with the Garp storyline and setting that up. But I think the second half of the season absolutely crushed it overall. So I'd, I honestly quote, I love the pilot it. Was a banger, bro. Come on. The pilot was a banger. The pilot was a banger. I'll call it 8.9. Okay. Want me to go? Yeah. 8.1. 8.1. Damn, dude. I am so willing to drown in my bias and <laughs> and just be the the flagship planner of this is the best show ever 9.7 out of 10 bro and Damn. it's getting, it's getting that crazy. solely because of the garb stuff and not saying cat out of the bag attack because if they said cat out of the bag not it would have been eight. Nine, eight. 9 8 or gold roger saying one piece actually okay there's my point three deducted the garb stuff the cat out of the bag and roger yeah. not saying each one piece each a tenth of a point deducted <laughs> okay um for real though uh actual topic we we did this in the beginning of episode at the end of episode one mm-hmm. um i want to expand this out of a prompt so the prompt is going to be who do you think was the best performance of their counterpart from the manga so not Dude. necessarily the best acting performance and i want to if you have it written down i want it extended out to five rather than three because there's just too many good ones here and i'll feel bad leaving too many people off but i have i have a top five do you guys either you want to go first though all right, I'll do the first one that comes to mind. It's like tied basically between Sanji and Nami. They were both just unbelievable. Zoro was, I feel like, right behind them. It's a little bit harder for him to portray, I feel like, but you know, he's doing a really, really good job of it. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I want to go like Luffy because he's <laughs> the hardest to capture, yeah. but Inyaki. Is his name correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is so he just has the same spirit as him almost. Like you can tell, like you know, all the promos, he's just screaming into the microphone. And like Zora's actor is like, dude, too loud. And Luffy's like, fuck yeah, I don't care. Like she's like, he's just screaming. So it's he's great. So I would say he's probably four. 
And then if I had to do five, probably, I don't know. I want to say like Kobe because I thought he did a really, really good job. They did a really good job of portraying his timidness, but also like wanting to stand up and showing good heartedness. But I mean, at the same time, I want to say like Zeph because Zeph was, (laughs) I'm just going to name all the characters. Exactly. That's why I made a top five instead of top three. I can quickly go because okay. um, three of mine are the exact same. I'm going to go with Sanji, Nami, and Kobe as well. In that order? Uh, no order. No order. Um, I actually have Arlong in here. I think really seven and eight, like the brutality, like he, they made him really feel like a gangster almost. Like I really loved it. Was It felt very accurate while also being a little fresh at the same time. So I'll throw Arlong in there. And then I got to give it to Buggy. Just, I just, I think I can't get enough of Buggy, to be honest. I okay. legitimately love him. My list is just a mix of yours. It's very similar to Paul's. This is ordered. I have Nabi, Sa- Nami, Sanji, slight little tear gap. This is my new one is Mihawk, Zoro, then Buggy. I thought, how can I forget? Dude, Mihawk. Mihawk, Mihawk was so good. Every second he was on the screen was not wasted. And he was a scene stealer at every single moment. That's a good one. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have Buggy slide in there at five. And if I had a six, it would be Luffy or Helmeppo. I had Helmeppo in my top three after we watched the first two episodes. He's great. But he honestly, it might he might not even fit this prompt because he might be better than his... I think so. manga counterpart already so much more information <laughs> yeah, exactly. on him, so, basically. But Alki also wanted us to shout out that he definitely had Arlong in his top three. Yeah, so. I think I can agree with that after watching Saturday. I think Arlong really came through in the final episodes. That's it, baby. All, right. All right. Everybody who doesn't want spoilers, get out of here because we're about to gush. We're going to give you five, four, three, two, one. All right. Welcome to our One Piece heavy spoiler edition of the live action coverage. I have a couple notes. I guess one that I just want to quickly call out is the Jaya reference mm-hmm. that Zeph had brought up because obviously after we get to, which is crazy because when you think about it, like we have to get through all of Alabasta. We have to even like pre-Alabasta stuff. We have to get Chopper. We have to get through Laboon, Alabasta, and then we finally get to Jaya. So it's just like crazy that they're able to just add this this drop in here just because, again, it wasn't in the manga. So I just love that they're able to reference Jaya a, se- a full season, pretty much, in my head. I think maybe the second half of season two will get us to Jaya, if not season three, but they're dropping that so early on. I think it's a great reference. And it ties into the story that Nami was reading Zoro while passed out, obviously. like We get the Jaya and the whole uh, Nolan story, which kind of should have been taking place all on Jaya. Like, that story should have been introduced in Jaya, but we get it early on here. But just so cool there. I think they're really doing a great job of just building the world early on in season one. I would say they have to make Skypea season two, just at the pace that we're by going the end right of now. Season two. Yeah, that's that feel. Inuru could be a the final um, attack. You know, like we could deal with Inuru at the very end, and that will lead us directly. Or it could be we might even get Water Seven. Who knows? It's either. I feel like it's going to be either Skypea, Water Seven, saving any Slobby. There's no way we're getting through all of Alabasta and any all, all the way well, through any Slobby, right? Are we doing little? Oh, garden? in season two. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah, but we can get through all of Alabasta plus Skypea plus Chopper. That seems like a doable schedule. Well, Chopper, Chopper's first, obviously. So I Uh, think the order of events would be it's Logue Town, Reverse Mountain. See, I think that gets done. Chopper, Whiskey Peak. And then uh, I think officially Alabasta. I think Logue Town. Little Garden before that, right? What's Little Little, Garden? Little Garden is why they have to go to 
chopper in the first place because nami gets sick with nami that gets sick yeah you're right so okay. that and that's where also they meet uh brogy and the two giants Lib- that fight yeah i can't oh my god they they won't get this they guy gonna, you think they're gonna include the giants <laughs> that's what i'm saying i could i could see them skipping over it but yeah, i would I be upset that? But like, I feel like that's also such a big part of Usopp's character. Like, we already have like very little character for Usopp. Like, I feel like his character personally needs those giants to like flesh him out even more. I don't. I don't think we're gonna even get close to Sky P. If I mean, I'm honest, because if we're doing Baroque works too, and we got to do uh, what? What is it called it when they're on that end. Cactus Island? Yeah, um, Whiskey Peak. I, I, Whiskey Island. Peak could be like just one episode too, but like. I don't know. I I think I could see it ending with the defeat of Crocodile, but at the same time, it's like, dude, they are not going to spend a whole season just getting up through Crocodile. I, like, I would could, love like for we're them saying, to do though, it. There's so world. much content from. Agree, but Crocodile. like, I think they handle Logetown and and um, Reverse Mountain the first episode done. I think I could, then we then we do then we do Chopper and Whiskey Peak over the next three episodes that gets us to the halfway point. Then we do dark. two episodes of actually being in Alabasta, and then we do two two episodes of Skype and call it a season. Just I look how know. fast they're going. I I don't want them to do that, but look how fast they're going. I mean, you got to get Robin involved in everything too. And I'll just say this now, since we're talking about it, how the hell are they going to do Chopper? I have absolutely yeah. no idea how That's... they're going to make Chopper look like a part of the crew. I assume he's going to just be in like human hybrid mode all the time That's... because I don't know. That's the uh, big thing I think one piece live action twitter has like complaints about like there's i'm sure you guys have seen it but like there's memes of like this is what chopper season in season two is going to look like and it's just like basically like a sonic the hedgehog like og design looking shit like you know what i'm talking about when the movie came out for that like it looks bad but i think that's all a meme like i i'm with you there's no way they cgi it because that would be way too expensive and if they do cgi chopper like in all the time then they're gonna he's gonna be in it less because he's gonna be too expensive to do all the time so is baby yoda like a machine like what is yeah. that for insta- yeah okay. he has two operators honestly they um, should just do that that's for not realistic then. like he doesn't move and shoot i don't know maybe it is going to be it i feel like that for manga and anime readers is going to be like almost not like make or break territory but definitely will decide you know like, what they could do are watching you know what they could do is have two actors for chopper they could have like a little shorter person that could be in that like you know deer mode and then to go like human mode they have like a bigger person, bigger person. that looks similar but i i just don't know i mean, I mean that's like probably each, each character hurdles. gets two episodes so chopper will get two and wapple's gonna be weird to see how they do him in real life because he's supposed to be just this fat bastard we are getting some more like zany kind of characters like i know axe ham morgan kind of fell in that category and he obviously looked great but like a lot of the characters we've been introduced to besides Arlong and maybe whoever i just said i already blank but like uh, wapple will definitely be an interesting look yeah um chopper absolutely and then we'll get our first zone user too and uh donovan right is that his name like i wonder how uh what was his name dalton dalton sorry donovan (laughs) dalton so like it'll be interesting to see how they do the zone fruits as well too like we haven't really seen anything besides paramecia Zora I don't know. Up. Sorry, I don't know how like how many characters. It's so hard to tell how many characters they're going to skip over and how many they're going to keep, because like I could easily see them skipping over Dalton. I don't want them to because I think he's a big part, especially going forward. Mm-hmm. But for example, Luke, you were talking about this earlier. There is another 
Arlong Pirate that they left out, he would have been super hard to bring into live action because yeah. he was an octopus. But in saying that, he is he has a you know part here and there going forward in the future. So don't know how that is exactly going to work out. I assume they're going to just go around it. But that is one of the examples of a character might just be too difficult and they might just have to leave him out. It's so yeah, he's hard to my, tell. Hachi's the most important. Hachi, right? Uh, yeah. He's the most important. But actually, as it was happening, it kind of made sense because you're right. It would have been the hardest to make him. And Zoro didn't have his swords. So, like, they wouldn't have been able to make that fight that good either. Because like, they didn't have Johnny and the yeah, other bounty yes, hunter. Yeah, yeah, he, to throw yeah, he their swords to Zoro to fight Hachi. So yeah, you know that's then... going to be an early Logetown plot line, though. Like we might get the scene where he chucks the sword, the curse sword, up in the air and sticks just... his arm out. That 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 will probably happen. Oh, that is 100 episode one. Happening. Yeah, they can't, they can't cut that. But yeah. we're going... talking about sorry, you stepped up for a second. Yeah. Hachi being cut, like he is the most important, but at the same time, the he would have been as hard as Chopper if not harder with swordplay it depends on how far they want to go with the live action i mean again hachi really isn't important until we come back to even then it's not even nest like yeah even then necessary. it's not like yeah. necessary but one other thing i want to talk to in ref in reference to the spoiler talk that we're having is the one thing i was referring to in our podcast coverage was luffy versus garp and how i feel like i don't again i don't know how far they're going to go with the live action but that fight was supposed to happen in Marineford to me. Like they weren't supposed to have like a hard fought one-on-one -on -one until Marineford. And that's like when all their convictions, like that is like the, the, the part in which it embodies both of their resolve. Like Garp is defending the Marines and trying to kill basically his son. Whereas Luffy is trying to, you know, free his brother. And I, I just feel like if we do get that showdown in Marineford again, I don't think we'll probably get there, no, but we're no, there. <laughs> I, I hope so, but it just I takes totally... away from that. I agree in the sense that I thought it was going against Garp's, Garp's character when he's telling Kobe and Helmeppo, like, yeah, like, I'm in the Marines, but I do what I want. Like, I always don't follow the law. And then at Marine Ford, I don't know, it just feels like he's he's having that internal struggle of, like, what do I do? Following do I the follow law or the, not? Yeah, do I do that? And, like, or do I just, like, just blind eye to turn a blind eye to who I actually am to save my son? So. I don't know. I was having some issues with Garp as well, and I think that's why Oda didn't want Garp in this season, but, you know, it is what it is. It kind of came together at the end, like we were saying, but I think it was just a device to cut up the storyline, which in my opinion, they didn't need to do. We could have just stuck with a straw hat. It's been completely fine. Yeah. Uh, two other things I've written down. Jim Bay, anything else we want to add? I know there's not really a lot to add. Just... Oh, I mean, it just He's going to look Join awesome. the crew. Just how about we skip all of that time skip and stuff and just let's get Jimbe in the crew just like right now. Oh, <laughs> I and speaking of Jimbe, it was actually cool. If I don't know if you noticed this in episode eight of like when it shows one piece, like it's Arlong's design, but there's the sun pirate design oh, really? in the P nice. piece. So definitely call out to uh, Jimbe. I, I thought they were actually going to sequences, man. I actually thought they were going to like talk about the sun pirates because of that. But they yeah. didn't, so it even makes it even cooler that they added it to the just the title screen. Yeah, yeah just a little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, to, one more thing to look forward to. Obviously, we saw Smoker at the end. I think that with the success of season one, I am hoping and thinking that the budget will be higher for CGI because we didn't really get too many Logia or I'm or just um, fruit users, any. fruit just, users at all. All we got yeah. was Buggy, pretty much. 
and Luffy was the only ones they had to really do. So going forward, we're going to get a lot, a lot of fruit users. So I think the CGI has got to be up a bit because, I mean, how are they going to do Smoker unless he's just almost never in like smoke mode? Good news is the Mary's already built in real life, and that's a set that they will be using constantly. Yes. And they'll probably be reusing things. Bit the bullet there. They're like, yeah, we need that. But I mean cgi budget for the actual fruit users themselves again i guess is what i'm going yeah but i'm saying like the money won't have to be spent on on sets as much because of that stuff true 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 we already know that they like to reuse sets anyway besides like the go and mary (laughs) but like yeah the basement of kuro the the wine cellar and the the nami and luffy meeting um i was my other last thing written down which i guess isn't even worth talking about is the helmeppo and kobe training stuff because we got that in the form of a cover story yeah i was just gonna probably just gonna get it which is weird I, I won't I'm hate 50, it. Yeah, I'm 50-50 on it. It just depends on how they execute it. I know Kyle's fucking begging for it. Oh, I'm sure he yeah. is. Yeah, Kyle is a big Kobe fan, and I'm a big smoker guy on my team. I'm team smoker. Kyle's team, team Kobe. Kobe. In that last, thing, last thing I'll say is that all of our crew members, they all their actors do seem like decently young. You know, They seem like in their 20s, so they are going to grow into these time skip crew members eventually that we know and love so i just i think this show is just set up for success man especially with thing is how season one was received if you think about it though like they are probably older than the t- post time skip straw hats right now oh uh, definitely yeah so, but i see what you mean um that actually is that'll i'll wrap this up with saying that apparently season two script has been completely written like it's done it's just a matter of when are they going to get to it with you know all these strikes that are going on so don't worry we should hopefully get some news ideally pretty soon about you know season two like i said the the script is already done so they just need to put it all together but that who knows what that process looks like but that's going to be it for our coverage of Netflix's One Piece live action. As usual, if you like what you heard, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. We're always dropping new content right now. We're covering Wheel of Time and Jujutsu Kaisen. If you're looking for more anime content, follow us at Bingetown TV on all socials, X, Instagram, you name it. We have our own website, BingetownTV.com. And lastly, again, be sure to check out our Discord. We've got a lot of people joining, and we have a really great community, so you definitely want to be a part of that. We will have links to that in the description of the episode. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.